Well, hey, we are in a series called Design, and we're making our way through the book of Colossians. And we're talking about this heavenly concept that is your life, that this isn't just your life isn't just by accident. It isn't random. It isn't meaningless, that your life actually was designed by God in heaven before the foundations of the world, and that your life matters. And we like to say that God created you on purpose for a purpose. And that's what this series is all about. And uh, we've been learning really how to unlock and live in the things that God has for us. Because so many people, let me tell you, every person on the planet has a heavenly design that is their life. Every single human being that has ever existed and will ever exist has a heavenly design that is their life. And yet only a fraction, only the tiniest percentage ever walk in the fullness of what God has for them. And so what we want to be is people that actually embrace and walk in the plans and purposes of God. That we don't come to the end of our life and look back and see wasted opportunity or missed moments because we were distracted by other things. We want to be people that fully embrace the plans and purposes that God has for us. And so we've been discovering how to do this. And last week we began a section of warnings. The Apostle Paul, the writer of this book of Colossians, begins to warn us and the recipients of this letter of some of the things that can come to your life and can keep you from experiencing that purpose. Um, things like he calls it philosophy or wrong thinking, that the wrong type of thinking in our mind um, can keep us from walking with God. He warns us against religion or wrong believing. Believing the wrong things about God will cause you to miss out on what God actually has for you. And so he warns us against that. And then tonight, we're going to see um, carnality or wrong behaving. And Paul warns us of behaviors that we have to sort of put off and behaviors that we need to put on. And with that, I've titled this message, Off and On. Off and on. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, is where we're going to be tonight. If you have uh, your Bible or the Bible app, if you click the events section of the Bible app, um, you'll find us there and you can follow along the, on the notes there as well. Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, Then, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your minds on things above, not on the things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, uh, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. When there is, uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is, is all and in all. Paul in this section is basically telling us the things that are in our life as a follower of Jesus. There's some things that we have to take off and there's other things we have to 
put on. That as you walk with God, you will begin to discover things in your life that at one point might have been acceptable, at one point might have been normal. But as you grow in your relationship with God, you begin to realize that those things that I once thought were acceptable and normal are no longer acceptable and normal. And as you walk with God, as you journey with God, these things begin to be revealed. Now, some of the things as you walk with God, immediately you're going to know, like, okay, I know this is, this is inappropriate for me as a follower of Jesus. Other things, as you grow and as you unlock what God has for you, you'll begin to realize, oh, man, this thing that I thought was so ordinary, so normal, this way of thinking or this behavior or this way of talking or this action that I thought was normal is now something I need to remove. And so he warns us of behavior that is no longer acceptable as follower of Jesus. So the first point are the things we have to take off, things we have to take off. And the first thing he tells us basically is idolatry idolatry. He says there in verse 5, put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He lists off all these things and then summarizes them with one idea, which is idolatry. Now, idolatry is this, ready? It is to put something that isn't God in the position of God, okay? Idolatry is to put something that isn't God in the position of God. You know, we sort of think of idolatry, like we, if we've grown up in church, we think of like idolatry as like people that worship like little statues. Like that's idolatry. And we're like, I, I don't practice idolatry. I don't have like any wooden statues. Like I don't bow down to that. I don't like kiss its nose when I walk into the house or like high five it when I pass by it in the bedroom. Like I don't, I don't, I don't practice idolatry. Idolatry is, that is a form of idolatry, but idolatry is when we put anything in our life that isn't God as God and we begin to follow and serve and obey these things that we put as God that aren't God. And in this context, what the Apostle Paul is talking about and what he's telling us to put off is he's saying that we are putting ourselves or our own desires as God in our lives. He says, hey, you need to put to death, and he says these lists of things that all of them stem from a desire to serve ourselves. We live in a world where people are slaves to themselves, it's all about what I want, what I feel I need, what I'm longing for in this moment, and it is my right to take these things by any means necessary. That it is my right to be happy no matter what it costs or who it offends or, or what it's going to take. This is my right to be happy, and so I am going to feed myself. And what happens is people think that they're making themselves happy and satisfied and content, but in reality, they're just serving themselves as their master. And it doesn't matter who I step on or who I hurt in the process, that it is my right to be happy and to fulfill every desire that I have. And so what he's warning us against is what we serve, or more specifically, who we serve. Are you serving yourself and your own desires? We need to understand that we will never be happy or satisfied if we're only li living to please ourselves. And we will miss out. Listen, this is key. 
we will miss out on what we're actually longing for when we look to live for ourselves. What happens is, is we get something in our mind. Right, We get some idea or some action or, or some behavior or some thing in our, our mind, and we think, if I get that thing, I will be happy. If it's a relationship, if it's an experience, if it's, if it's more friends, if it's this thing, if I can get this thing, I'm going to be happy. And then what happens is people then launch themselves in a life in pursuit of those things. Like, I need that experience. I need this, uh, this many travel miles. I need this relationship. I need to, to go to this place or do this thing. And we launch serving ourselves in order to try to get this thing. But the problem is, I, I think, twofold. One is probably you'll never actually get that thing. Or if you do, it won't be what you thought it was. Right? You ever, like, pursued something? Or maybe, like, you were a kid and you were, like, going to go to, like, some theme park or you're going to do something and you like built it up in your mind. You're like this is going to be the best experience of my life. And then you get there and you're just like, yeah, it was pretty cool. Or maybe it's like a movie. Like you're like, I can't wait to see this movie. And like you're anticipating and you're waiting and it's coming. And then you see it and you're like, really? That was it? And so often life is like that. We like go after pursuing these things only to find ourselves disappointed with what we actually get. And so he's warning us, who are you serving? Are you serving yourself or are you serving something worth serving? So he warns us first against idolatry. He says, you need to put these things off. There are practices and there are things that you are serving that you should no longer be serving. But then the second thing he tells us is to put off obscenity. Look at this in verse 8. He says, but now you must put them all away. Just put them all away. He says, anger, wrath, Malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. The second thing he tells us to take away is what we say. The first thing he tells us to take away is what we serve. The second thing he tells us to take away is what we say. How do you talk? This is like real practical, okay? This is like, this isn't theoretical. This isn't ambiguous. This isn't like, I wonder what Nate's talking about. Like serving, you're like, I kind of get it. I'm clicking. Like, yes, okay, what am, I, what am I after? What am I serving? What am I designing? Saying this is really practical, okay? How do you talk? What do you say about people, right? What do you say about people when they're not in the room, okay? What are the words, the actual words that come out of your mouth? That's what he's saying. He says, you need to put words that don't belong in the mouth of a Christian out of your mouth. They shouldn't be there anymore. You should no longer talk about those things, whether it's inappropriate, whether it's, it's, it's carnal, whether it's worldly, whether it's just profanity, right? He's saying, you need to take these things out of your mouth. As a follower of Jesus, there are things that you should no longer say. What do you say about people? How do you react to situations? What words do you re use? And the reason, okay, this is, I'm a why guy. Any why, why people? Like you, your parents tell you to do something, and the first question you ask is why? Okay, so when I, when, especially, when it, especially when it comes to like the words that we say, and if we could be even more specific, like if it, let's talk about cuss words for a moment, okay? Like cuss words. So in church, we kind of like know, like, and I hear some of you guys in the courtyard using cuss words, and you're like, 
11, and I'm like, you're so lame. But that's besides the point. Um, but uh, because you know if your mom was here, you would be like, gee, Willie, gee, Willikers, oh my gosh. Um, but but that's, that's besides the point. So when I, when I think, like, we hear cuss words, and if we were, like, to break them down and talk about, like, why? Why not use those words? Okay, the reason is the reason what we say matters is because it's an audible representation of our heart. Okay, let me say it again. The reason what we say matters is because it's an audible representation of our heart. Jesus said that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the best way to see someone's heart is by listening to what they say. Okay, I'm going to say it again. The best way to see somebody's heart is to listen to what they say. So if you're negative, if you're inappropriate, if you're foul-mouthed, if you're degrading, if you're angry, this is an outward expression of your inward self. Now listen, there is no place for that as a follower of Jesus because it keeps you from experiencing what God has for you. And listen, God has placed in you a new heart. You're a follower of Jesus. Your heart should change. Your desires should change. Your emotions should change. Your ambitions should change. Your actions should change. And what you say should change. And because you have a new heart... Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth, what you say, should be a representation of who you are on the inside. And so the best way to find out, like, it's not hard. Like, you just go around and listen. Okay, what is this person's heart like? Listen to what they say. If they're positive, if they're uplifting, if they're encouraging, if they're, if they're somebody that redirects conversations, if they're somebody that's slow to wrath, they're patient, they're kind, they lift one another up, you say, okay. Man, God's doing a work in their heart. The best way to see somebody's heart is to listen to what they say. And he says, we must put these things away. But notice how drastic the language is he uses about putting these things away. It's not like he just says, like, change clothes. He doesn't say, hey, there's some things, it's like a little dirty, like, just leave those shoes outside. Like, you know, I've got the shoes that I mow the lawn in, and I leave them on the back porch. Like, those are like... They're like, they're still fine. They're functional shoes. They've just got like grass stains on them and I just shouldn't leave them in the house. That's not what he says. The word he says is put to death. That is like taking those shoes and sticking them in the incinerator, right? Like it's gone forever. And he says, you need to not just take these things off. He says, you need to put these things to death. There is no room for these things in our life because we are dead to those things. He says, idolatry and obscenity needs to be put to death in your life. But the second thing he tells us is what we need to put on. He says, take these things off. But then he tells us we need to put these things on. The first thing he tells us to put on is this. He tells us to make Christ your life. He says, make Christ your life. Look at verse 4. He says this, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He says, when Christ, who is your life. Now, what does it mean to make Christ your life? What does it mean to make Christ not just a part of our life, but our whole life? 
It means this. It means your ambitions, desires, and actions are centered around the person of Jesus and the things of Jesus. Ambitions, that is your goals and your dreams. What do you dream about? What do you think about? What are your goals? To to make Christ your life means your ambitions and your dreams are centered around Christ. Desires, this is your feelings and your emotions. That is to make your, that means to put your feelings and emotion under the lordship of God. So how I feel or what I'm experiencing or what I go through is secondary to what I know about God. We live in a world that is dictated and driven by their feelings. Right? We are are completely consumed and controlled by our feelings. And so what it means to make Christ our life is that we actually put our feelings under Jesus as Lord. So he says desires. And then the third thing is actions. To make Christ our life, it's our ambitions, our desires, and our actions. This is behavior and what we do. All is centered around Christ, the person of Christ, who he is, who he's making you, the things of Christ, what he's about, and what he wants to do. Now, this, is, this verse is really interesting to me because Paul talks as if Christ is already your life. Like, this verse kind of convicts me because he, it's almost like passive. He's like, so when Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll also appear with him in glory. He just brushes over this. And I think, like, Paul, you should time out and address the reality that there's a bunch of people reading this letter whose life is not Christ. Like, he is making some pretty big assumptions right here. He says, so Christ, who is your life, appears. I, we have to recognize that there are people and there's people in this room that Christ is a part of your life, but he isn't your life. Like, he is, he, yeah, he's a part of your life. How do I know? Well, you're here. Like, it's a part of your life, at least Thursday for an hour and a half. Like, he's a part of your life. But Paul says, no, 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 when Christ, who is your life, the summary of your life, the completion of your life, that your life is centered around the person of Jesus and the things of Jesus. And in order to experience what God has for us, it is necessary to make Christ your life. Second thing, not only do we need to put on the reality that Christ is now our life, but you also have to make Christ your eternity. You have to make Christ your eternity. Look at verse 2. He says, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. And then he says the same thing in the verse that we just read. He says, so when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. In other words, live your life with an awareness of heaven and eternity. And let me take it a step further. Not just an awareness of heaven, but a focus on heaven. The idea of set your minds, he says, set your minds on things above. The idea of set your minds is intense focus. It's intense focus. It is our goal and our desire is focused not just on the here and now, but how our living in the here and now impacts our eternity. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The focus is not just focusing on the here and now, but how the here and now impacts and affects our eternity. That's the idea. 
the idea of setting your mind on things above is not to just sit around and daydream about heaven. No, let me encourage you. Heaven is awesome. And so if you want to sit around and daydream about heaven, go for it. Like if you want to think about the, the fact that the, all of our tears will be wiped away, we'll be reunited with, with loved ones and family, we'll, have, we'll, we'll be perfectly known, we'll be perfectly loved, and we will love in the perfect, like it'll be beyond comprehension. So if you want to daydream about heaven, go for it. But the idea of setting your mind on things above is recognizing that the here and now impacts and affects your eternity. Living with an intention that my life now impacts my eternity. Too often people spend way too much time uh, planning, dreaming, and focused on the temporary when we should be thinking about the eternal. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And I want to close with just the thought on eternity. Um, There's this old illustration by a guy named um, Francis Chan that I'm going to kind of rip off right now. Um, But let's imagine for a second that uh, your life is eternal, okay? And let's not imagine for a second. Let's recognize the fact that your life is eternal, okay? So we live for about, we live for about 60, 70, maybe 80 years. Um, Hannah's grandpa is currently 90. What is he? 93, which is crazy, right? Um, so, you know, who knows? Some of us might live 90 years, but um, your life is eternal. So let's imagine for a second that this rope represents your life, okay? And let's just imagine for a second that it actually goes on for eternity. It doesn't really. It coils right there, and then it kind of ends in the room. Um, it's actually, uh, there's a magnet that's connected to something in the back, so it's not going to come out here. Um, but uh, let's just imagine for a second that your life, that this rope represents your life that's eternal, okay? So it just kind of goes on and on. Right, this is your life, and it just goes on and on. Now let's say for a second that this little blue part is your life here and now. This is your life on earth. Look, it's uh, 70 years, 93 years, like that's Man, if you make it 93 years, good on you, right? That's crazy. That's a long time. Um, but it's kind of not that long a time when you compare it to this. Like, it's, I mean, it's a long, but like this is, eternity is kind of like a, it's a long time, isn't it? I'm running out of rope, but I can keep going this way. Like, eternity is a long time. And yet, so often, we spend all of our life thinking about this part and not thinking about all of this part. And we, we spend our life consumed. Like, I mean, we're like, Oh my gosh. And the funny thing is, is we like work really hard in our like. So we're like, okay, starting out, like we don't do much. We just kind of sit around and we go to school and we like, then we go to school and we start thinking about school and we like work really hard in school. Cause like this part's your school part and you work really hard in school. And then, then you get a job and you work really hard in your job and you grind like 
five days a week and like you live for the weekend and like maybe you get to take the boat out every once in a while on the weekend and you're like you grind you know your whole life because then maybe 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 like this part of your life you'll get to relax you know like this part of your life you'll get to like play golf you know and like drive really slow with your blinker on and never turn and like you grind, like, okay, for this much of your life is really good. But my goodness, how much of your eternity are you not paying attention to? How much are you missing out on because you're grinding your whole life to relax for like 10 or 15 years? And you've neglected all of this because you were so focused on uh, good grades or so focused on my desires and so focused on what I wanted and so focused on just being happy and so focused on this is what I think my life should be about, not realizing that God actually wants you to live in this part, preparing for all of this part, that you only have 60 or 70 years to do all that you can for the kingdom of heaven and to build for yourself, not just a life here, but a life that impacts your eternity. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear that what you do now impacts your life forever and forever and ever. And can I say, listen, this is so important that you get this, that when we're talking about the plans and purposes of God for your life, because they exist. God has a perfect plan for your life. But can I tell you that his perfect plan for your life isn't for 60 or 70 years? That God's perfect plan for your life is actually eternal because you're eternal, because you're gonna live forever. And so the focus for us as followers of Jesus should be, hey, we wanna experience God's perfect plan for our life. But listen, God's perfect plan for our life doesn't mean that our life here and now is gonna be perfect. I'm gonna say that again. Come on, this is so good. God's perfect plan for our life doesn't mean that your life here and now is gonna be perfect. God's perfect plan for your life is for you to experience him and his calling and his goodness and his love and his grace that will propel you into living a life that pleases him, that goes past your 60, 70, 80 years, whatever you get, and carries on for eternity. Now, before I, I close, let me just say this because I think it's important that we your good behavior does not guarantee your eternal life. What I'm saying is, hey, there's some things that you got to put off and there's things got, you got to put on. And if you don't put them on, then you're going to miss out on eternity. No, no. What I'm saying is that through the grace of God and faith in Jesus Christ, we guaranteed eternity. We're guaranteed it. We're going to be in the presence of God forever. That is a guarantee if you've said yes to Jesus. What I'm saying is what are you going to do with the life that God's been given, that God's given you? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to live it to the full or are you going to waste it? Are you going to look for opportunities to love God and to serve him or are you going to serve yourself? Are you going to be a type of person that your, your, your heart audible representation is uplifting or it's degrading? Are you going to be the type of person that your life is Christ? Or are you going to be the part of person that, like, your life is yours and you...
could probably make a decent life of it. I'm sure there are so many people out there that live their life for themselves and they make decent lives for themselves. Like, you know, they got like 100 million followers on Instagram and they make like 20 bucks every time they like breathe. And you're like, that's cool. But man, what if we were the type of people that were living for the rest of it? We want to be people that live for eternity. 